Welcome back to the Game of Thrones Flashcast. I'm Jason Snell, and we are watching season one of Game of Thrones episode by episode and then talking about it as if, not as if it aired uh, right now, but as uh, through the eyes of those who have been talking about Game of Thrones and watching all the episodes all the way up to the penultimate season. And so there'll be plenty of spoilers. If you've never watched Game of Thrones before, don't listen to this podcast because we have watched it before and we know what's going to happen and we're going to talk about it. And by we, I mean me and also Brian Hamilton. Hello. Ahoy, hoy. And also Monty Ashley. Hello. Oh, hello. Uh, it's you again. You, as you reminded us last time, wrote lengthy <laughs> uh, synopses, uh, recaps of Game of Thrones for Television Without Pity back in the day. And the rest of this episode will be the audio version of that article. Dra- Jason, take it away. A dramatic reading of... You know, so uh, I you, believe you, my title for the second episode was Grumpkins and Snarks, after yeah. a phrase that gets thrown out in the middle of this episode and not followed up on nearly as much as I always wanted it to I, be. I do love that line and we'll get there but let's start this time unlike last time let's start across the narrow sea um where uh where daenerys is being sold into slavery (laughs) um yeah uh so the call call drogo or as i like to call him carl drogo because it makes me laugh you mean aquaman yeah i do mean aquaman I do mean Aquaman. So, so Jorah tells uh, Viserys, Viserys Targaryen, Harry Lloyd, God love him, that uh, he sold a couple of poachers on his land to slavers, and that's what got him exiled from Westeros. And of course, Viserys uses this opportunity to say, that will never happen when I rule. Oh, Viserys Targaryen. He's the worst. Uh, meanwhile, Daenerys is uh, not really happy while being... Uh, well, I don't know. While having sex with the with the call, and 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 you know, is it our our terms for this? Our modern terms, kind of. I, I actually think this is one of the things that this show and the books are engaging with is the idea that if somebody is is married off, if a woman is married off um, to another family um, and doesn't really want to go and doesn't really want to have sex with the man that she's been married off to, um, you know, that is forcible sex that's rape right this is not this is non-consensual sex yeah absolutely but i and i think that that's uh, people there are lots of things to criticize game of thrones for in terms of how uh, rape is handled in various seasons but i do i really do believe that it is the intent of especially george rr martin to lay this right down there and say you know all those nice stories you heard about like (laughs) intermarriage and the princess goes off and all of that uh here's the reality of it which is it absolutely is non-consensual sex she's been sold off and call drogo is going to have sex with her and she is uh not not really happy about it although in a an interesting turn she talks to one of her handmaidens who spent a lot of time uh learning the how to be how to pleasure men in her previous career she made a little bit of a career change to become a handmaiden um and she basically says you got to teach me and and she start she takes control and in fact wow. at the end of this episode she's like uh hey drogo we're not going to do it your way which i, I i'm, I'm well, again within a very narrow universe of taking control but there is that line where she's like he has to be in charge out there outside of the tent but you can be in charge 
inside right. the tent. It's like, all right. The, the, the narrative I, I, seeds are being sown here of an eventual arc of survivorship. And by the end of this season, Daenerys is a fully fledged survivor of this terrible situation that she is able to, you know, move forward as a healthy person and really incredible ruler. And well, at this point, they're just starting to sow those seeds and they're still really a lot of the baggage of the first episode and that really upsetting depiction. Well, I have two things to say about it. One, the sex with Khal Drogo is portrayed as non-consensual, but it's also displayed as titillating. Mm -hmm. Like, the show wants to say, oh, look at what a horrible thing has happened to her. P.S. Would you like to see Amelia Clark's breasts? Yeah. Yep. And the scene in which the handmaiden teaches her how to play, please a man could be portrayed as empowering. I think it is portrayed as semi lesbian turn on the male audience. Well, I was going to say, can it be both, Monty? <laughs> I wholeheartedly agree with you, Monty, uh, but I think the way it, they shot it, absolutely. Uh, narratively for Khaleesi, I believe that they're starting to get the narrative uh, aspects there to make sure her story works out in the end. That's great for how it ends, but just at this point yeah. in the show, I would like them to spend a little less time sexing her up well absolutely you know this is one of the ways that the show really did change over time is that you know this this first season and also i think the second season is where the show got famous for its uh quote-unquote sex position (laughs) i love that phrase where there's expositional dialogue while people are naked and having sex or have just had sex or are about to have sex and it is i mean i gotta say it this is a show that doesn't quite know what it wants to be but it's on hbo yeah. So later in the season, there's going to be a new character fr- from the book. There's not even in the books who's just apparently the best prostitute in Westeros. So she's going to get a lot of sex, a lot of scenes where she's having sex and also things are being explained all in the same room. Yeah. Isn't she? Doesn't she have? Isn't she the one who has sex with Tyrion? Yeah, she has sex with Rose, Tyrion, and then she right? goes down to King's Landing and hooks up with Little Fingers. She's like crew. the Zelig of prostitution. Yeah, and then eventually, <laughs> I think she gets killed by Joffrey. Yeah, well, that's good. She's in good company there, I think. Um, yeah, it, it's a you know, this is a show that is it's trying to tell a story with Daenerys because the show knows where she's going. And it's trying to show her at this part where she's like, you know, the low point where it's like she started out being sold into slavery, essentially, to the king of this this uh, group of horse people and uh, ended up as ended up uh, having him think of her as a person and not just a plaything and a trophy and the people of the Dothraki to love her and for eventually to it leads her down that path. And that's all true. But, you know, um it also it is not the most deftly handled and and you're right the titillation of it that there is this fe- feeling in all of these episodes of like we're on hbo we're gonna have sex we're gonna have nudity that's definitely something that we're gonna do and it makes it feel yeah it's a rape but it's being also for us to admire and that's not a great combination um yeah it's it's it, mm. 
Yeah, I like the scene where where they are on the bed, uh, the 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 two women. I think it could have easily been more titillating. Sure. I, I think there's actually some restraint being shown there. I maybe that maybe this happens in a future episode, but I I was expecting it to be having not remembered as we as we've already established, we don't remember a lot of details about this stuff. I thought it would be much more of like let me teach you, and that it would be like full on sort of a sex scene between Daenerys and the courtesan. And that's not quite what we get. We get all the hints of that without it being like quite as heavy as I thought they might go. So I guess there was a little bit of restraint there. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, she's, uh, she's got dragon eggs. The, uh, talk about, talk about your camera foreshadowing. Did you notice like there, there are multiple shots where it's like panning across dragon eggs slow yep. down by to candles. show the dragon eggs <laughs> yeah <laughs> it could be important um okay so anyway in that's what's going on with the horse people more to come their hair lloyd's still awful wants a crown <laughs> he really wants a crown a crown huh yeah drogo's gonna gonna help him get a crown oh that'll be great mm-hmm. i'm looking forward to that uh that happens later this year so meanwhile in the north uh bran is uh it's a month has passed so there's some time issues here too bran is in a coma um so he hasn't been able to say that he saw jamie and cersei having sex in the tower um Tyrion, that shaving everybody did in the first episode has worn off everyone's right back to their normal level of stubble yep yep of course of course Tyrion. this is where we mentioned it last time but this is the episode where Tyrion uh slaps uh, slaps around joffrey <laughs> we get this is this is like a real showcase this episode about how awful joffrey is we get a lot uh, a, a lot of that but uh he does this thing and then also Tyrion gets to tell at uh at his breakfast where he orders of course you know plenty to drink as well as food and, and black and bacon that uh good news brand's gonna live because Tyrion's got to know right Tyrion's Tyrion's got to suspect that his awful siblings were probably involved in the uh in 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 brand being injured like that right it certainly sounds like he's like oh good news oh he knows definitely all right that was one of my favorite things about watching this for the first time was uh that knowing thing like huh i wonder because he's at this point we know he's really level-headed and kind of hates his family but would still do anything to make sure the family itself is okay even if the individual people kind of suck i loved his performance in this like i i'm thinking about american psycho where um they filmed like several different takes of uh, willem dafoe as the, the detective where sometimes he played it like he knew christian bale murdered people and sometimes he didn't know if uh, Christian Bale murdered people and I loved this moment in the second season uh, second episode where Tyrion gave off that vibe so hard without actually giving anything away and I love that so the what else here they uh okay Ned departs to go to King's Landing okay um before he does that he has a little scene with Jon Snow where he, mm-hmm. <laughs> first there's the dead giveaway whenever someone says We'll talk about your mother the next time we meet. They're and never, they're never, never going to meet. But also, isn't it kind of irresponsible? Okay, so Ned knows yeah. who John's parents are. Yes. Should Ned be allowing John to go join the Night's Watch? I, Not cool. I, I had a lot of these same questions. Like, one... I know that the promise me Ned, right? Like that was, that was the, what he said to his sister, but it's like, okay, Ned, 
And maybe this is just Ned Stark, right? He he makes a promise he's going to keep it no matter how bad an idea it is. He's going to do it. Because, <laughs> like, didn't... first off, he's basically planted this ugly little seed, a little poison, <laughs> slight poisoning of his marriage, right? And Robert Robert goes about like, oh, who was it who who had that baby and all that? And he's like, yeah, I'm, never, I'm never going to talk about it. And she brings it up. And John asks about it. And it's like, he doesn't tell his wife. He doesn't tell anybody else. He doesn't tell John. He, he finally says, okay, well, we'll talk about it next time I see you. But like, yeah, it's really irresponsible. It's irresponsible that he lets him go to the Night's Watch. It's kind of irresponsible that he lets him... Um, you know, be kind of, I, I guess there, there was a limit. He, he raised him as his own son, but he still has to be, pretend to be a bastard, basically. But yeah, but, I, I have questions about Ned, but you know, isn't, is this not the story of Ned being an honorable man to, uh, to the point where he makes terrible decisions? This isn't honorable, though. He was supposed to keep John safe, and he's letting him go to the Night's Watch. Also, he yeah. knows John is the rightful heir to the kingdom, and he Indeed. lets him go to the Night's Watch. Well, the problem is that he overthrew that king. So, like, that actually would be a problem, right? That, that, I think All that's right. fundamentally yeah, that's why he can't talk about it, is that that makes John the Targaryen heir, which is... And let's not forget, of course, that uh, he can't talk about that to his friend Robert also, because, remember, Robert was supposed to marry Lyanna. That's true. And she Robert was kidnapped, to... quote-unquote, and raped, quote-unquote, by the Targaryen heir when, in fact, they ran off together. That's true. Robert even wants to kill Daenerys as soon as he finds out she's on the move. Yeah, which I I thought I'd forgotten this, but it's like I think that's really effective in making you feel like, you know, we there's a way to think, oh, it's the king, everything's settled now, and that that little bit of dialogue makes you feel like, oh no, everything's not settled. Like he's not comfortable. Robert is not comfortable in his role as king. He's like, you know, people think we're illegitimate. It makes his rule feel a little bit more unstable. Like, they gotta do everything they can to keep up their, um, you know, appearances of of being the rightful king, because, of course, they did just kill the last king and declare him king. And so, he want, he's like, we, sh- we gotta kill the, the Targaryens, and Ned tries to talk him out of it. I forgot how early they brought this up in the show. I remember this exact scene being maybe four, five, six episodes in. I forgot it was the second episode. This whole episode contains a whole lot of stuff that I think of as that happened in season one, and it's all in this 50-minute block. It's amazing how much stuff is in here. Um, uh, Mark Addy has a line where he says, a war is coming, Ned. I don't know who it's going to be, but it's it's coming. And I I was fascinated by that, too, because, of course, a war is coming, but it is a series of wars, and it's not the wars you expect um and they're not fighting and they're not fighting in them yep yep it's it's that that, i love that i love that foreshadowing too but i i like the idea that robert is you know robert's not super confident i mean he's the fat and happy king who goes hunting and and drinks a lot and all of those things but he's also really concerned about like holding on to power and the legitimacy of his rule which is a funny thing because that's actually where he and circe are aligned right cersei has staked her power on robert and on joffrey and uh so that you know everybody here wants to be like let's not talk about the targaryens so even though we can roll our eyes a little bit at uh at viserys being like oh they want me back um you know that's the thing that uh that robert is afraid of so i guess if he knew uh Jon Snow was the Targaryen heir, he would lop his head off right away. All right. Fair enough. I think, I think <laughs> maybe, I think so, especially if he's the product of that 
union, right? When he felt that she, he says in dialogue, in, I think in this episode at her crypt, that, you know, that she was, Liana was supposed to be his wife, which means that he wouldn't have married Circe. Boy, we can all relate to that, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's like that, would, I'm sure that would have been a better match. Unfortunately, she was in love with someone else and was not interested in being with Robert. I think the other part of Ned not telling John right away is that Ned is a person as not as honorable as he is. He's a person with promises to spare. So to him just saying, Oh, I, I'm going to make you another promise and I'll make sure to keep it. Cause that's what he's good at. That's what he's known right. for. But again, to a fault. Yeah. yeah. He, he probably figures that, you know, once this is all over, John's going to be old enough and I can finally tell him and all of that. But that, and, and also at that point, John's in the night watch, right? John can't exert any sort of claim over anything. Because so you could argue, I guess, that John being in the Night's Watch actually is very helpful because it means that he can't be anything but a member of the Night's Watch forever after that. And there's no way to get out of those yeah. vows. Right, everybody? <laughs> <laughs> and now his watch is undone. <laughs> I will also briefly say on Jon Snow's as he's walking out of Winterfell, he says, he says something to the effect of you Starks are hard to kill. Yep. <laughs> that's that is not the experience that the show presents. <laughs> yeah. Except for John, mm. he's the only one that was legitimately hard to kill. Yeah, I suppose that's true. Eh, he he's easy to kill. He's going to end up getting killed twice if he plays his cards right. Mm. Benjen also <laughs> hard to kill and uh Benjen, Uncle Benjen takes John to the wall and of course we will see Benjen again he goes missing for five seasons basically <laughs> and then appears as cold hands at the just at the right moment to save the day uh, because he's sort of a he's sort of an undead but working for the side of good guy in the in the far north on their way north they pick up two what are called rapers instead of yes. rapists which is a classic example of a fantasy book just changing one word <laughs> Yeah, like yeah. Uh, in um, uh, Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell, they just keep spelling the word fantasy, P-H-A-N-T, like S-I-E. Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> it's like everything else we spell normally. This one word. Now, now it's fantasy. That's how I feel about the word fantasy. raper and milk of the poppy. There's there's a nice um, nice scene here with John and Tyrion. Which I really yeah. like that where Tyrion is dispensing advice, and then John says something back to Tyrion that kind of is like, "Oh, okay, this guy, this kid is clever." Like I, 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 I underestimated this kid a little bit, and they have a nice back and forth. And of course, these are two of the most important characters in the show, and they're not going to see each other again after these couple of episodes for a very long time. But it is kind of delightful to see them together here as as John is basically sacrificing his life and going to the Night's Watch. And Tyrion is just kind of along because he wants to stand on the wall and piss on the other side. <laughs> the other scene that really gives me those same vibes, Jason, is uh, John and Arya as their parting words. And uh, John gives Arya a needle. I loved seeing the two mm. kind of out of line Starks, the ones that are not fulfilling their role or their role is fundamentally flawed. I loved seeing the two of them bond over like, you need this to survive. You need something to like make your character more of what it's meant to be on the inside. And uh, they have a really great hug together about um, John giving Arya a tool to kind of fortify her character against the rest of the Stark family who are very comfortable in their roles as the daughter, the son, the whatever's. 
Needle is Valyrian steel, right? In yeah. The books. Yeah. Uh, the books make a big deal out of Valyrian steel, and that gets skipped twice in this episode because I think that uh, sword of Joffrey's is also supposed to be Valyrian steel. But, but actually, the uh, the the knife that the assassin uses to try to kill Bran is also Valyrian steel, and that is mentioned. Yeah. One of my problems with Valyrian steel is it's incredibly rare, but also every weapon in this story seems to be made out of it. Okay, the important ones are, they have it, and they're all important yeah, at this point. You, I, yeah, I completely I, I, forgot about that assassin. I think you can count how many Valyrian steel blades there are, though. There are there are really only like five of them, but three of them are in this episode. It yeah. is true. It is true. Um, yeah, the assassin, That that's a, um, knowing it was coming, uh, I really liked how that scene, you know, there's a fire and so he runs out and Catelyn is staying with Bran. She's like, you you know, I'm going to stay here. And she's looking out at the fire. And then the, you know, you get the camera move and it's revealed that somebody has come into the room and it's the guy in the hood. He's like, you aren't supposed to be here. And he's got the knife and she's like trying to protect Bran. And that's, a, I think, a really effective scene. And I do, I, I, you know, I gave a little applause when the direwolf runs in and, and, and kills the guy. It's great. Like, nice try, cat. You you worked really hard. Let the wolf handle this. Yep. And it's still just a puppy. Yeah, but it's the size of a dog now. They they can <laughs> they can have him be dog sized now. Oh man, Bran. I know he's unconscious and in a coma or something. But that bed with the giant furs. Now there's a wolf curled up next to you. Why wake up? That's living. That is that is that. There's that shot um, at the end, which we'll and we'll talk what happens down uh, on the way to King's Landing. Uh, that's the last stop we'll make here. But th- where we flash back to the to the other direwolf as the one direwolf is dying, and that that shot is there's like an overhead shot that very slowly is panning over the the the, the blanket, which is made of furs, and then the direwolf is on the blanket and it's it's furry and then finally yeah. we get to brand and his eyes open up and i'm like ah oh, that's like that's great that's that's great well you got to stay warm in the north right you gotta have absolutely a- one of the things i forgot about watching this very first season was uh, my one of my favorite things to do is watch very cold movies fargo is one of my favorite movies not just because of the like amazing movie itself but because of the really cold feel of it i really got those vibes watching game of thrones and i completely forgot how pleasant this show is to watch with like the muted colors and all the like furriness that everyone's wearing and how cold it is and the snow i loved it I, i'm yeah. such a sucker for that <laughs> That shot of Bran in his bed that looked so great stuck with me long enough that I always get really happy in, like, season seven when the Stark children finally are back at Winterfell. And I'm thinking, oh, Sansa gets to be in her own room again. I bet that's nice. Yeah. She's had a rough time. Yeah. As long as, you know, uh, who knows what happened in there when uh, the other people had it. But maybe they just didn't use it. Maybe not. I don't know. Uh, all right. What else uh, happens here? Oh, they get to the wall. I should I should say um, they have that scene on their way there with <laughs> and the rapers are there just to remind you that it's not. I mean, like Tyrion's basically, like, you know, the, your your brothers are. It's a lot of awful people. It's not just your uncle Benjen, but um, you know. And and he yeah, says that this, line. This is this is where you get that line too of of uh, oh yes, yeah, so you're protecting us. Oh, ooh, from the Grumpkins and Snarks. Ooh, so the, scary. The, the rapers are there because up until them, we have been told, oh, this is a noble defending the land force. And the audience doesn't yet know that 
in a way, Game of Thrones exists only to poke, poke holes in fantasy tropes like that. Mm-hmm. So, oh no, the noble protecting the, uh, the noble force that protects the land, everybody hates them, spits on them, and they're a bunch of criminals. Yep. It's enjoyable. All right, well, I guess we have to talk about what happens on the way to King's Landing, which is that Joffrey, you thought he was bad. Well, now you know he's bad. Joffrey is uh, getting uh, Sansa drunk <laughs> when they come across Arya fighting with a, with sticks with the butcher's boy. Uh, Joffrey, the butcher's boy? Jo- the butcher's boy? Joffrey decides that it would basically be fun because he's a sadist to screw around with the butcher's boy and cut him and force him to fight him, which is basically like, then I can, then I can kill you or maybe I'll just hurt you. And Arya is very mad. And uh, she hits Joffrey with a wooden, uh, wooden, uh, fake sword, fighting sword and, uh, and wrestles the, the sword away from him and meanwhile the direwolf comes in nymeria to protect her and bites joffrey on the wrist and she throws the sword in the river and uh it's all a bad a bad scene and that leads to joffrey of course lying about what happened sansa refusing to testify playing the old i don't recall game uh and and robert Mm. deciding that the right thing to do is basically to tell ned to to punish the one kid he'll punish the other kid and uh you're gonna have to put the dire wolf down oh but we can't find namiria she's fled because Arya's smart and has thrown a rock at her to make her go away oh well (laughs) kill sansa's dire wolf then no wrong one that does not hold up. I don't understand nope. why Cersei demanded that. Well, because she's a she's Cersei. She hates she's, everyone. She hates no, the Starks. She's she, awful. Cer- Cersei is smarter than everyone else in that room because Tyrion's not there, and <laughs> she does smart things. At no other point in the series would she just let pettiness get in so, the way of the desperately needed Joffrey Sansa marriage. Here's my here's my feeling about this. Watching it this time, I think this is all. Everything Cersei's doing now is to drive a wedge between Robert and Ned. Yes. Okay. Everything she's doing because she's threatened. You know, John Aaron dying was really good, right? I, I did. Was that at her request by Littlefinger, or did was she not? I don't even remember now what the actual resolution of exactly who all was involved in killing poor John Aaron. Um, I think she did it, but like, I can't remember. Yeah, or, or or she did it with Littlefinger's help or something like that. But yeah, absolutely. Right? And now here's the new Hand of the King. It's another one of uh, one of Robert's old friends. And yeah. she's plotting against Robert. And she is not... She does not want people in the way of that. So I think that everything she does and the whole way she acts in this scene is specifically to make Ned... Uh, separated from Robert and Robert from Ned. And then also, of course, Ned angry at her, which is useful because she feels like she's got Robert kind of wrapped around her finger. There's a little smirk she does when Sansa and Arya are fighting when uh, Arya goes, no, you lie. You totally remember. And oh, it, yeah, it indicates everything you just said, like oh, all that. Like, oh, the, this is everyone from in Return of the Jedi, right? Excellent. Yes. 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 <laughs> Feel flow through you. Sansa is as violent in these episodes as she will be later on. She just doesn't have the control yet. Yeah, She hasn't been taught how to actually kill people yet. But she right. I, I mm-hmm. did. There is that moment where um, Joffrey's laying on the grass and she's got the sword and she's holding holding it at Joffrey and I actually shouted at the TV do it you'll save people a lot of heartache if you do it now <laughs> she didn't she did although this is where we get 
I mean, the Butcher's Boy is a recurring theme of of the revenge of of Arya. Um, her list, her famous list, which is more in the book than it is in the in the uh, TV shows, where she repeats all the people she's going to kill. It includes Sir Ellen Payne, who of course is the executioner. It includes Joffrey. It includes the Hound. Like there, there's a lot of people here who uh, are on the list. On, on Arya's list for various reasons. Uh, number one being the, mm-hmm. the poor innocent butcher's boy who, by the way, isn't mentioned at all during that those scenes with King Robert. But when Ned is going to kill the direwolf, uh, the hound walks by and he's got the dead body of the butcher's boy hanging over a horse. So we know how that ended. So and, and there was that moment when when uh, Arya starts to fight, and I thought you just killed that kid. You you know right? You know that this there's no way this is gonna it's gonna come down on the pe- on the peasants, right? It's not going to be the noble people who suffer here. It's going to be the peasants. Well, she she's sheltered. She grew up in a land ruled by Ned. Right. Who's a who who used apparently, you know, used his power justly and was honorable and all those things. And <laughs> and this is not that. He did proper noble things like when you have to kill somebody, do it invite the sons out to watch. Yeah. <laughs> and do it yourself. <laughs> I used to be really down on Sansa as a character because of episodes like this where she had a hard time choosing between her family and her prince and the uh, and the lifestyle she wants as a result of Joffrey. And Rewatching this episode, I'm a little bit more about it because of, uh, like, you see the struggle she's going through and she doesn't know what to do. And she's young. She's panicking. She just says, I don't know. She doesn't go either way. She just says, you know, I, I don't know. I, I abstain from this fight because I want to help my family. And I also don't want to jeopardize my, like, lavish, wonderful future. I, so I don't think I'm, that's what it is for her. I, I really don't think she is selfishly thinking of her own future. I think that Sansa believes the storybooks she has read. She says, Joffrey is a beautiful prince. Beautiful princes act this way. And when she sees him do something else, she ha- she can't understand it. It doesn't make sense to her. Interesting. Like, for me, all of Sansa's actions are her trying to be the perfect princess discovering this is not a world where you can do that. And then in the last couple of seasons, starting to take control of her own destiny. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think she also is in this position where she doesn't want to say anything because there, whoever side she chooses is not, is not good for her. Like she doesn't want to betray Joffrey, but at the same time, she also doesn't want to betray her sister. Um, and it's a difficult, she's put in a, in a difficult position there and she decides she just would rather not say anything than decisively say that. Yes. Joffrey is awful. Joffrey's practically her betrothed and he's going to be the next King. Yeah. The, the way Robert lives probably pretty soon. Mm -hmm. Can you accuse the King of doing bad things? Not if you, I think she is lawful neutral. Let me put it like that. Hmm. Yeah, I agree. Okay. And that's basically everything that's in this episode, I think. Anything we uh, haven't talked about that you want to get out about the King's Road? Bad things are happening on the King's Road. It's a bad place, <laughs> yeah. I should say, for women to ride alone. And Catelyn is being, uh, that's something I didn't mention. She is she is chasing now after them with the uh, information that John Aaron was uh, murdered, right? Isn't that what she's going there with? 
yes, she's trying to be a part of the action to get this information to King's Landing without drawing any attention or sending a raven. Oh, yeah. yeah oh, she, and, it's the, be, and it's the murder be, of Bran. It's, that's what it is. It's the murder of yeah. Bran. He saw something and that, that means that there's a plot uh, and, and it's all very suspicious and she's going to go. It's also, it doesn't feel a little bit like she's trying to find a, an excuse to go. Yeah, she yeah. does not want to run Winterfell. She's super uninterested in that. She doesn't want to know anything about the accounts. The dude with the sideburns is happy to let Rob right. deal with it. Right. And she finds that blonde hair. And so she she's convinced that what happened is that the Lannisters um, pushed Bran and, and then tried to assassinate him when he didn't die. So she's going to go warn Ned. That'll be, I'm sure that'll help. Yeah. And at this point in the series, the King's Road takes, they said in the first episode, <laughs> months? <laughs> a, yeah. a month. Yeah, well, they said that, yeah, the King has been has been like a month traveling to the north. And of course, yeah, I laughed at that too, because it's like, <laughs> you're going to be able to get to King's Landing in a couple of days by season five. Transportation's really improved. Yep. Well... Well, what I, else we have? God, I, no, I do. I appreciate that they were finally like, you know, we need to tell this story. Let's just move yeah. everybody along as fast as <laughs> as they uh, as they need to move. But here they're like, no, no, no. It'll take a very long time. It's been a month yeah. and they're still not there. All right. Around well, season two and three, Littlefinger is teleporting around the world yeah. while other people are stuck <laughs> in the old transportation. But I like that effect for him. He's that good. He is that good. I like it. Mm-hmm. What else we have? Uh, a mind needs books, like a stone needs a, a sword needs a whetstone, yeah. which is one of those lines that people put on bootleg T-shirts. I, the whole, the whole. <laughs> I mean, Tyrion is great, and I love Tyrion, and and Tyrion's uh, back and forth with with uh, John. The whole like, what do you look at me, and what do you see? You know, my brother is the is the fighter. I'm the brains, and all of that. Like, I I, I just I love all of that stuff, and and we get to know Tyrion that way, and uh, it's and and it's good. I love it. It's great. Um, all right. Well, the King's Road. There it is. Lots of bad things happen in the King's Road. Mm. Death of Lady the Direwolf. Yep. Got rid of two of the wolves already. Yeah. yeah. Saving a lot of uh, CGI budget. Foreshadowing that we'll be getting rid of a lot of the Starks, too. <laughs> yeah. 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 All right, well, then I guess we'll wrap it up. Uh, there's more. This is uh, this is just the beginning. So uh, thanks to uh, Brian and Monty. Thanks, guys, for talking about episode two, The King's Road. It's over now. Children fight. It's over. <laughs> <laughs> and thanks, everybody out there for listening. We'll be back next time to talk about more from the beginning, the very beginning of Game of Thrones. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye.